49ers make another budget signing in free agency one-year contract for John Feliciano, adding depth to the offensive line. And we're scouting the mock drafts, a pair of three-round mock drafts. Who did the 49ers bring home with their third-round compensatory selections? We'll get into six prospects on today's Locked On 49ers. You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker at BD Peacock at Eric underscore Crocker. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And the 49ers continuing to work, continuing to add depth. And yesterday's podcast, we talked about Miles. Uh, who was a little bit added as a uh, sort of a depth piece on the 49ers defensive secondary. And now after miles Hartsfield yesterday, the 49ers add former New York giant offensive lineman, John Feliciano veteran, 31 years old, played center last year for the giants comes in as not a starting player, but a, a depth piece and a versatile depth piece for the 49ers uh, started as a center last year for the giants and uh, looking at the PFF numbers, Croc, and we've seen some people chime in, and, and I've seen a little bit of uh, a tape on him now, but um, one-year contract with the 49ers, started 15 games last year for the New York Giants, played center last year, but has also played every position, I think except for right tackle on the four, on the uh, New York Giants offensive line over the course of his career. He's played games at left tackle. He's taken snaps at left guard, center, right guard, mostly an interior guy. But, you know, it, losing a player who's a jack-of-all-trades, a sixth man like Daniel Brunskill, feels to me like John Feliciano is sort of a replacement for Daniel Brunskill as a versatile piece and a, and a backup piece that could play multiple positions on the, the 49ers offensive line. You know, I think when you think of, like, underrated departures by the 49ers, you can go a number of ways, but I think one of the biggest ones is probably Daniel Brunskill because of his ability to play every position on the offensive line, really be that legit sixth man that can fill in in a pinch at any position that you need. And, you know, you, you have him go away, you look to kind of – feel like who is going to be that guy and I, I mean I was a huge question mark for me because now it's like man I mean we're trying to find out who the right tackle is going to be and and you look at Spencer Burford and I would assume that he's penciled in as the starter heading into the season but you know will that stick because they did kind of rotate him and Daniel Brunskill throughout this past season so you got to see him kind of take that next step like we did with Aaron Banks but this is a legit signing for a guy who, again, 49ers, they look like for versatility. We talked a lot about that on the previous episode. The more you could do, the better. Every coach is looking for those type of guys. And this seems like that type of signing where, hey, you'll be our sixth man. Wherever we need you, you have starting experience in that spot. Yeah, and it could be invaluable. And the 49ers didn't sign him, and he, he's, he's on a one-year contract, so it's not some big long-term deal where he's going to start some games. But you know how it works on the offensive line. Guys get banged up. You need players who are veterans. They can come in and play. And if you need snaps, John Feliciano could come in and play a number of spots, and that's really important for depth on the 49ers offensive line. And he's got some competition, but mostly young competition. And, and interior offensive line depth especially was a, a big need for the 49ers. They re-signed Jake Brendel to be the starter. But when you start to look at some of the names of the guys that are competing behind the starters, you know, there's uh, there, there needed to be some more competition and probably some more veteran depth there. So I, I like the signing for the 49ers, and it comes cheap. And he's a guy that could start some games for you and uh, a guy that can compete with some of the other 
younger players, both at guard and center. So just to remind people where the 49ers are at on their offensive line. Obviously, Trent Williams coming back at left tackle. Aaron Banks going into year three. He's the starter at left guard. Center, Jake Brendel. Last year, Spencer Burford split some time with Daniel Brunskill, but um, you know started early, and he's, he's the guy there for the 49ers, unless they want to give Spencer Burford an opportunity to maybe play some right tackle, which I, feel, I still think is a possibility, and this helps them do something like that, where they've got a guy who started a lot of games in the NFL – a veteran, John Feliciano, maybe he plugs in at right guard and Spencer Burford turns out to be the best right tackle for the 49ers. But likely it's Spencer Burford penciled in at right guard and Colton McKivitz, former fifth rounder at right tackle for the 49ers. If you were to pencil in the starters, most likely that's what it would be looking at. And then a lot of really young players that are backing those guys up. So that's why a veteran like John Feliciano really helps for the 49ers. So a 31-year-old in John Feliciano is added to other backups like uh, Jason Poe, who was an undrafted free agent last year, a guy I like, I think has a really good opportunity to to battle maybe at center and guard, especially at guard for the 49ers. Didn't take any snaps as far as I know. I think he maybe did a little at center, but but Nick Zakel, the sixth rounder last year, another young player, ended up playing more center um, after bouncing around and playing a couple of uh, positions early in camp. So you've got Jason Poe, Nick Zakel. You've got Jalen Moore as well, former fifth rounder, has played both tackle spots, has played some guard for the 49ers, uh, never really gotten a foothold on any position for the 49ers, another depth piece, and probably fighting for a roster spot. Um, but look, Colton McKivitz was fi- Colton McKivitz was cut from the 49ers at one point and then brought back, and now he's going to be starting right tackle. So, you know, you, you being smart and being competitive and just having a base level of physical ability for an offensive lineman can take you far in the NFL. I think we're seeing that with Colton McGivitz. I think it's a lot of what John Feliciano is as well. Jake Brendel um, never really had, had much of an opportunity until last year with the 49ers in, in his 30s. You know, a guy that kind of just kind of really disappeared, Donovan West. You know, obviously he was an undrafted guy, but there were a lot of people, if you told then he was drafted in the third round. They would have been really excited about that. And then maybe some, you know, long-term, he could be the center guy. He goes undrafted. People are excited about him and Poe. And he ain't even on the 49ers anymore. And I had to look yeah. it up. I'm like, where is Donovan West? I haven't heard his name. He's in the XFL. I was just to say, I'll tell you where he is. He's in the XFL. And I don't remember which team it was. Vipers. But the, Vi- the Viper. Oh, and Oh, that's why I saw him. Yeah, because the only XFL game I saw was the Vipers game. And it was so bad, I had to turn it off. It was unwatchable <laughs> football. I, I wasn't a big fan of that. People told me, though, it was the worst game. It was the worst teams to watch. Um, uh, Don, it wasn't Donovan, Donovan West's fault. But, you know, he'll have an opportunity to catch on with the team again. Maybe it'll be with the 49ers in camp. But, you know, they just brought in a guy who can play center and John Feliciano just for signing their center and Jake Brendel. And they already have uh, Keith Ishmael on the roster as well as uh, Leroy Watson. And I wouldn't know Keith Ishmael or... Leroy Watson, if I pass by him on the street. So uh, I remember watching any of their snaps as well. I'm sure I saw them in preseason or in camp, and I, I just don't recall watching them closely. So I don't know what to expect from Keith Ishmael or Leroy Watson on the 49ers. I, I legit don't remember them playing the snap for the 49ers. I, I don't remember either. I, I think they're practice squad guys, and then I, I don't remember if they ever got called up to the big roster or not. It's funny because we follow the team as closely as anybody, and I still can't recall those guys taking any snaps uh, at all. Uh, and then the International Pathways, I believe it is called, member Alfredo Gutierrez is still around as well. Big old dude. I would love to see him get a little bit more playing time, but I think he's he's there more as a um, uh, 
as a representative of that international program than anything else. Cause you know, at this point, you know, third year in, he would have gotten a little bit more of the rotation and, and he just hasn't really gotten much as far as playing time for the 49ers. Seems like a great dude always has a smile on his face, which I love, you know, he's kind of like living the dream. You know, that's probably what I would look like. It was like, Hey, guess what? You get an NFL opportunity. You're never going to play, but you're going to be in practice and you're going to be an NFL player. I'd be like, Oh, he's kind of cool. Um, that, that, yeah. Um, the Cowboys have one as well that has played offensive line. I think he's been on the team for maybe three years on the practice squad. And now they're actually moving him over to the defensive side of the ball. So he's going to start off on defense. I guess uh, as a practice squad player, he filled in nicely on the defensive side of the ball. And they're like, yeah, let's see if we see if we have something here. And you know what? People don't realize this, but when, when you are practice squad player, you do whatever they tell you to do. And that's why a lot of times it's kind of hard or difficult for some guys to move up because they might even be playing you out of position. My guy, one of my buddies, I used to train with him, Nick Johnson. He's from a Division II school. I played against him in college at Henderson State, and uh, he was with the Rams. And he actually made the team an entire year. He's playing defensive back. Now, he was in, in preseason and stuff. He scored a touchdown. He's an offensive player. He's a receiver. He's a flyer. Uh, ran extremely fast. But... They had him doing a whole lot of defensive back stuff, even though he wasn't really going to play DB. So uh, practice squad, they'll kind of move you around and just have you do whatever they need you to do. And sometimes you might find a spot. So I don't know if these practice squad guys for the 49ers can maybe uh, find a spot on a different side of the ball. But again, when we talk about versatility, the more you can do, the better. That kept my guy around on the practice squad. Yeah, it's rough. You're you're there as a practice squad member on the scout team. You're, you're helping out. The real guys that are going to play, right? That's the way they look at you. Like you're helping us get better to play. You're not. We're not worried about how good you are of a player at all. So you, you got to be able to do a lot to be able to to show out and and prove yourself there. Uh, I I always think of the um, the quotes from D'Amico Ryan's and, and the stuff we heard about Trey Lance when he was a rookie. He's a little bit too tentative on the scout team, and the and the defense like wanted him to let it fly a little bit more. And Trey Lance is like a, a a player that's getting his first NFL action. He's worried about not playing bad and trying to like not throw interceptions and, and probably trying to play good. Where whereas no, we're trying to get you to throw this concept, throw the throw the throw the rock, you know, throw the thing that we want the that that we expect the other team to be doing. So that's got to be a hard mindset to get into in that way. Yeah. Got to find that balance somehow, but these guys are all competitors and nobody wants to look bad. Yeah. But one thing the 49ers have done is, is really do anything to address offensive tackle. So still the biggest need for the 49ers, Colton McKivitz. Uh, I, I do have some confidence in him playing. Uh, I still think Spencer Burford might have an opportunity to, to kick out and, and try some tackle as well. There is Jalen Moore, but th- that it's a position the 49ers are going to attack. It's a, it's a short-term need. It is a long-term need for the 49ers as well. And in the two mock drafts we're going to look at today, Croc, it was the first pick in both of those mock drafts, offensive tackle for the 49ers. We'll get into those players and some specifics and some scouting reports on some of the 49ers mock drafted projected draft picks coming up. Today's episode of Locked On 49ers is brought to you by FanDuel. The tournament is heating up and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure. The app is super easy to use and navigate. And then you can bet on everything. Money line, point scorers, threes drained, prop bets for all of these NCAA tournament games. Tons of baseball coming up with that season about to get going. Of course, the NBA, NHL getting down to the nitty gritty as well. You can even bet on snooker at FanDuel if you know what that is. Uh, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for 
the chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Croc. Let's take a look at the touchdown wires three round mock draft. And it's 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 few and far between. And look, luckily we've got a couple of three rounders to look at on today's program, Croc. But uh going to touchdown wire. And they had a three-round mock draft, which was, I believe, by Luke Easterling. Is that correct? I think he does the the mock drafts over there for uh, – maybe that's for the draft wire and not for the touchdown wire. Anyway, I don't have it pulled up. But um, who, was the first, who was the first pick? Uh, pick 99 overall for the 49ers in the touchdown wire mock draft. All right. If it's the one that I looked at, it's Carter Warren, uh, yes. left tackle out of Pittsburgh. And – it was very interesting watching him. And, and I'm trying to figure out, again, when you're watching these prospects, these guys, they just pick kind of a position for the 49ers. Oh, 49ers need to address this, right? Like the tackle position, whether it's the long term after uh, uh, Trent Williams leaves or if it's right now because McGlinchey's gone, there's a hole, right? They might not know who McKivitz is or anything else, but they, they just know you, you lost your right tackle. There's a hole there. So maybe they're looking at Carter Warren as a potential replacement at the right tackle spot. The one thing that I think is very clear with the 49ers, what they're looking for in their right tackle, is somebody that can maybe like compliment Trent Warren. No, Trent, I mean, he's everything. But on the right side, it feels like they want like, can, can, you, can you block in the running game extremely well? And watching Carter Warren, I feel like that was the one thing where I still kind of have a question about his ability to, to truly be a run blocker. I think as a pass protector, he was good. Uh, I thought his feet were good. Uh, I thought when he went to anchor down, I have a bunch of notes here. Early on, I was like, man, he's kind of slow out of his stance. Just a tick slow where I see other people moving. And then, oh, and then he moves. And then the very next play, he maybe moves too quick and jumps off sides. So that was, that was interesting right away. But then after that, I saw him do some really good job with reach blocking, right? Uh, where a guy might be lined up inside of him and he has to get over real quick and then wall him off. He did a good job of that multiple times. Uh, I think versus the wide nine looks where you have a guy that's probably going to try to beat you with speed up field. There's a lot of space. You're kind of on an island. It almost reminds me of like one-on-one, uh, a receiver versus a defensive back when you have no help, right, for the offensive tackle. And that guy is split out really wide because now he kind of has a two-way go on you. And I thought he handled that out in space extremely well. So I don't really have questions uh, for him as a pass protector. I thought he passed all the tests there. Um, As a run blocker, I thought he – uh, could finish blocks better. And that's kind of been a trend that I see over the last few years with some of these offensive tackles or offensive linemen in general, where it's like, where's the, where's the dirty guys? Like, where's the nasty guys? Who, where's the guys that's streaking? Remember, like, watching Quentin Nelson when he was coming out of, of, of Notre Dame, where he was just taking guys' heads off? I think uh, another guy was uh, Quint Humphreys. Humphreys that went to the uh, Chiefs. I remember when he was coming out because 49ers drafted a lineman. Aaron Banks, and they're like, oh, man, he finishes blocks. And I, I didn't quite see it with Aaron Banks, what they were talking about. But then when uh, Humphreys was drafted, and I watched him, I'm like, damn. Like, that's what the 49ers, like, what, how you guys uh, describe Banks, I see Humphreys doing that, taking guys' heads off. So I, I don't quite see that uh, nastiness from him that you would like to see. But just in the sense of his ability to play out in space and be a legit pass protector, I thought he was very consistent with that, at least in the game that I watched against West Virginia. Now, maybe West Virginia didn't have, you know, the best 
edge rushers that were really going to threaten him consistently. But overall, I thought what I saw, he was very consistent. I didn't see anything alarming. I thought the hand placement was good. Hand usage was good. His anchor was good. I thought he handled strength well. Uh, there was a couple of times where he had to uh, make a decision between blocking a guy coming straight at him or the free run on the outside. They always tell you work inside out. And he did that without even having to think about it. I thought it was like it was kind of like he just knew exactly what to do. So I thought there was really a lot of good with him. Just would like to see him be a little bit better, uh, a little nastier and a little bit better out in space in a run game. Yeah, I want to see what um, what Carter Carter Warren's testing numbers were, and he did not work out at the combine, unfortunately. But he did weigh in, and that might be that might have been all he needed to do. So six five and five eighths, so nearly six foot six, three hundred eleven pounds, long thirty five and three eighths inch arm length. <laughs> So that is huge. So this this massive wingspan, and you can see it. He looks the part, right? He's like he's even got sort of that V shaped body for an offensive lineman. He doesn't have like a lot of loose weight. He 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 looks big. He looks long. He looks the part. Um, I know in a lot of his scouting reports, it it said, and I I hate when I do this because I looked at his information first before I started watching him. Oh, and so yeah. then you kind of start looking for the thing he saw in the scouting report, and in uh, multiple scouting reports I saw on Carter Warren, he gets high. And stands up out of his stance a little bit, and I did see that, and and that, that was something that Mike McGlinchey did. It's funny because both offensive linemen here kind of have some similarities to Mike McGlinchey. You know, not the biggest guys, a little bit lighter, uh, a little bit taller, so kind of lean offensive lineman. But that's I think he's not too tall though, right? Like McGlinchey when he's coming out, I'm like, that's a. I mean, he's a legit six foot eight. It's hard to anchor. Right. Yes, that's all guys like you know, low man wins in football, and guys kind of get under your pads. But at six foot six, just about. Yeah. I think that's kind of, you know, with those long arms, I think that's a little bit more of an ideal height for a tackle. Right. And it really looks prototype body-wise when you see someone. And I was that's why I was like, well, why is this guy projected to go so low when you're prototype and you have 35-inch long arms? That's what I was wondering. And you're shaped like a V and you're six foot six, almost 311 pounds, right? And he looks pretty athletic too. But he's, yeah, not a glass eater, not really finishing guys. He, he And uh, apparently he's a really good locker room guy. He's a team captain, started a whole bunch of games. Wow. at Pitt, but you know he he just didn't he didn't kill people either he just he just kind of got them blocked and if he can continue to do that against the step up in competition that's great but you almost want to see someone just crushing you know what really stood out to me this is a long time this is a call back a long time ago but um fresno state offensive lineman logan mankins a little bit of surprise pick by the new england patriots at the end of the first round and back then i was like with my buddies and we're watching the draft and i loved the draft that i wasn't really super into scouting or anything but i was like super into the draft and watching uh you know and you watching highlight packages and you're like oh that guy looks amazing look at these highlights and they show logan mankins and we were like what it was the best highlight package i ever seen <laughs> from an offensive lineman i was like this is a fresno state dude just like Dudes were, he was bearing them three. He wasn't just blocking them. He was burying them three feet into the turf when he was blocking. Them. I was like, oh my God, that guy looks amazing. I see why a guard just went in the first round. It was so awesome. And that's what you want to see when you see a college offensive lineman. You want to see him dominating the dudes against yeah. that level. And he did. And, and to Carter's defense, he did, he did dominate in the sense of he, he just kept his quarterback clean. He was really good. I uh, had the little, you know, a few little hiccups. I, I just kind of noted with me nitpicking the prospect, but overall, I thought it was a very clean game by him. Did you see a guy in Carter Warren that you say, "Hey, yeah, this is a really good pick. This is a guy I, I, I would really like for the 49ers to draft at pick ninety nine"? Or do you think I, someone, like I maybe wait till 
round four or five and see if he's there later. I have to watch more. I, I was watching it asking, why do they think he's going late? Now, I didn't look at a scouting report or anything, but I'm watching him. I know where they have him. They, they said the 49ers are going to draft him in the third round. Yeah. Now, there was a guy that I liked last year, Abraham Lucas, and I thought he started off the season very well for the uh, uh, the Seattle Seahawks. It's like a steel uh, rounder, yeah. And I thought from what it looked like, again, it, it could be the opponent. Again, we're talking about West Virginia, and I don't think we're talking about any edge rushers coming out of West Virginia that you would identify as an NFL prospect. But with what he did, I thought it was, it was a very clean game. Which had me wondering. So now I'm like, okay, I got to watch more. There was a few guys I had to watch. So I just watched one game of each guys and just see kind of what was consistent in that game. But I'm going to circle back around and and watch him again to kind of see, like, is this he, is he a third-round pick or is he a guy that could potentially go a little bit higher? It's an interesting name, and that's why I like these mock drafts and seeing different looks and different names thrown out there. Because another thing that happens is there's an echo chamber, and you see a lot of the same names amongst people that cover the 49ers and, and you know certain fans, and and you start to see the same guys. So I like to see other names that I hadn't looked at, and I hadn't looked at Carter Warren yet, and he hadn't worked out at the Combine, which is another reason why I didn't really pay much attention to him uh, at the Combine, even though he was there because he, uh, he only measured up. So I want to see what he ends up running at the Pitt Pro Day. And interesting prospect. And – Look, picking late in the third round, you're not going to find a super clean, dominant offensive tackle. Right. So. I still have questions. My, my, my questions I, I put here, is he athletic enough? Right. Which, again, I, and that was just me after watching a full game, just certain things where I, I want to be certain with what I'm seeing. I thought he was, but I can't answer that for certain because I want to see more of how he is in space as a blocker to, at the next level getting to guys at the next level, cleaning them up, finishing, being that dirty, nasty guy at that level. And then can he pull? Uh, again, at tackle, you're not seeing guys pull a whole lot. But with the 49ers, they do a whole lot of movement stuff with their tackles. So, you know, is he a guy that can uh, get out in space a little bit more, pulling and, you know, working more to the reach bodies, doing some of the difficult things that 49ers uh, ask their offensive linemen to do. They, they ask him to do a whole lot. And Mike McGlinch, I mean, we saw times where he would kind of circle around and you'd see him lead blocking 40 yards upfield, right? Like, can can he be that type of guy? And and maybe not. That's why he's projected to be a third-round pick as opposed to Mike McGlinch, who was drafted ninth overall. Next, Croc, a few more prospects from a couple of these mock drafts. One familiar name to this program as far as 49ers mocks go in 2023, but a couple of interesting defensive backs as well, including Florida safety trading next. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. It's Built Madness. BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorite Built Bars. Built March Madness is here. Do it every year. We know you have a favorite Built Bar or Puff. If you listen to this program, how have you not gotten yourself a box of Built Bars yet? But now it's your time to make it count and bet on your favorite at BuiltMarchMadness.com. I'll be voting for the peanut butter bar any of the peanut butter varieties there's so many good ones though there's a lot of good matchups i like and a lot of good bars i like croc is definitely team puff to win his vote this year uh so support your team support your bar or puff at builtmarchmadness.com and when you go vote for your favorite bar or puff you'll be entered to a drawing where 50 lucky locked on listeners will get a free box of built and not only that one locked on listener will win a 12 month subscription to built and have the best built bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. So you got to try it built. It's the best protein bar ever, seriously. And you can go bet. 
and you can go uh, vote on uh, uh, your favorite flavor at BuiltMarchMadness.com or go try a box of your own. All right, Croc, getting back into these prospects here in uh, the the latest mock drafts and kind of got to get the name off. I forgot. It's Pope Joy. Kurt Popejoy was the name of the, the guy who did the, the mock draft for the draft wire here. And Carter Warren, the first pick in the third round, second pick in the third round. Croc, you're a DB specialist, so I'm going to lean on you for this scouting report on Trey Dean the third, a safety out of Florida. What would you see? All right, so it was fun watching Trey Dean just to see how they utilize him again. Watch one game of him, so it's not this is not Bible, but I watched him against Kentucky. I noticed a few things right away. I think Kentucky's offense, it was it kind of sucked. As <laughs> a matter of fact, stock it, down on Rich Scandrello. Well, here's a, it's oh, it's the college version of the 49ers offense, but without George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayu, Chris McCaffrey, <laughs> you know, uh, Trent Williams. It's like the 49ers offense, but without those guys. So take those guys away. You know, what would the 49ers offense look like? <laughs> they got a first round quarterback. They got all the art talent in the world. Yeah. And he, you know, he, I, I was, I was a little surprised. I thought he made good throws. I thought he made good throws. He was playing on the center, big play action boots, um, good fakes, uh, showed a little bit of athleticism out in space. There was, it was, now I wasn't like solely focused on him. I was watching more Dean, but I, that was just things I noticed. Anyways, aside from that, Dean, I was not expecting, again, I, I, I have watched Florida, so I see Dean out there, but I never evaluated Dean. And I'm watching him, and there were some things that, right away that I saw. Uh, and I put it right here, Sur- surprised how much they use him around the line of scrimmage. That, that was the first thing that came out. I'm like, man, around the line of scrimmage, you see him coming in off the edge, blitzing, getting a sack. Uh, a couple times he hit the quarterback. Uh, I thought he was very aggressive, versus the run, making kind of guys miss, and being able to knife in there and make a tackle at the line of scrimmage. I thought that looked good. But in, in my head, I'm like, okay, is this, is this uh, you know, kind of a Jaquiski tart? type guy right because i think when 49ers when we think of safety we're thinking kind of you know jimmy ward guy flying around getting interceptions you know can you be deshaun goldson who's out there getting a bunch of picks taking the ball away i say goldson because i love the hawk but um you know is he going to be that guy i, I don't think he's that I, I think he's somebody that plays more around the line of scrimmage when you utilize him there i liked him matching up against tight ends i thought he was a fluid athlete with good man coverage skills versus the bigger body guys yeah even out in space one time he had to kind of mirror a receiver and it looked like they did something where if the receiver goes out one guy takes him but if he comes in and tries to cross face the safety ends up taking him maybe that's quarters i don't know their rules and things like that but i thought he did that pretty fluidly um i put on here that i wanted to know i said not a lot of coverage plays but on a deep crosser match vertically and i said very fluid looks to be athletic what's his testing right because i didn't get to see him just have to run vertically with a guy so it it was almost as if whatever he's good at they utilized him at that and i kind of want to see him in more of a like a a situation where he should probably panic and i didn't quite see that in in that game against kentucky but we did check on his testing in those numbers and not 
great. So you can kind of touch on those. Yeah. So looking, I, I, I didn't watch much of Trey Dean. Uh, I have a couple of notes, but testing, not great. And it might be disqualifying for him to be a third round pick, not to say that he can't be an NFL player, but four, seven, five, 40 yard dash for Trey Dean, which is about as bad as it gets for a guy who gets invited to the combine as a defensive back these days. One, six, oh, 10 yard split was among the slowest. I think it was either the slowest or second slowest among the DBs as well at the combine uh, 25 reps of the bench for, you know, a long armed player, 6'2", 200 pounds exactly. And uh, 35 and 6'2", 200? 6'2", 200, 36 and a half inch vertical, which is not bad. And the broad jump, 10'4". So not terrible in the jump. Explosive. Not okay, terrible, so, hold on. This, this not is terrible cone or shuttle. In fact, of the guys that ran the shuttle, he had the fastest shuttle. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Sorry, now I'm looking at the wrong guy. Uh, he did not run the shuttle or the, I'm sorry, he did not run the agilities. He just ran slow in the 40, 1.6, 10-yard split. Did have a 36 and a half inch vertical and a 10 4 broad jump. Though. It's interesting to see a guy that is that explosive. When I say that explosive, that's that's good, right? Like that broad jump is good. That vertical jump, not great, but it's solid. It's not somebody that's just like, you know, now once you start getting under 35, then you could be a little bit worried about the type of athlete. But to be that kind of explosive, but then run a 4 7 5, something's not adding up here. So, which, I- which leads me to believe he might have the Eric Crocker syndrome where he might not know how to run a 40. Now, here's the weird thing. I wasn't sent off to Florida or Arizona or wherever these guys were testing and work on the 40-yard dash for eight weeks, all the, the technical aspects of it. So I don't know if he was what he was doing during that time. So then I start to question his work ethic. But then when you get 25 reps on the bench press, it's like, no, he's working hard <laughs> with whatever he is that he's doing. I don't know why he ran so slow because it doesn't look like 475 on film. Now, I got to watch more. I watched one game in Kentucky. Maybe I could see uh, some other games where he's chasing guys. You see him get beat, and maybe the quarterback just missed it or didn't see it or, you know, whatever. You see him in kind of this really bad trail position. But he looked pretty comfortable on the field, and I, I, I like him, his usage around the line of scrimmage, but even from off and quarters and sometimes even a single high, look, look kind of fluid. There was one time I thought his eyes got stuck a little bit too much in the backfield, and he he looked like he was supposed to be getting to a single high, but eyes in the backfield kind of slowed it up, and they ran a go route on the outside. The corner played it, played it tremendously and just broke up the ball, but it looked like I think you're supposed to be helping, and they kind of got behind you. So had bad eyes there, but it, it wasn't an indication of just lack of overall athleticism. It, it was just kind of more so eyes got stuck, and it was kind of just bad eyes. One thing I noticed in the one game I watched from Trey Dean is he kind of fell off tackles too often like he wasn't wrapping up well and he was like there and he bodied him up and he's actually kind of bringing his arms but he just kind of fell off the tackles a little bit did you notice any of that or is that just in a small sample that i saw it might be a small sample because i saw him slice in there and and hit a running back in the backfield at the line of scrimmage no no issues but for four four seven five at that size that's not that's not good that yeah, kind of reminds me of the kid from uh, Texas A&M. Everybody loved him last year. Neil? Was it Neil? O'Neal? Uh, O'Neal, yeah, the undrafted free agent for the 49ers. Yeah. Right, where yeah. it's like, yeah, you see some ability, but damn, you ran slow. And w- when you're 6'2", 200, we're not talking about 6'2", 225, and you ran a 4'75". Then, you know, so then it's like, yeah, at the NFL level, we could just play you at the line of scrimmage. We're talking about in college, 6'2", 200. And those big offensive linemen in the NFL, they get their hands on you. You know, like think of 
Jamal Adams, who is definitely much more of a freak a athlete. But, I mean, how much does Jamal Adams weigh? You know, like, because he's a guy that played around the line of scrimmage. Jaquiski Tart, 6'2", but Tart's like 220. Yeah. And he ran in the four fives. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So Absolutely. It, yeah, so he's going to have to improve on that time at his pro day if he wants to sniff the third round. Yeah. I didn't see a burner, but I don't know about 475 because that's something that would stand out at DB. You'd see that real quick when when guys are running away with you, so away from you. So that that's more to do on on Trey Dean. I didn't get the vibe that he was going to be a third because if you're going to be a safety in that third round area, even late third, I think you still got to be a dude and, and flash a little bit more than I saw from. Well, what what round did uh Jaquan Brisker and those guys get drafted in last year. The Cross, you know, Nick Cross and those guys. I mean, third they were round. like good. They're running four threes instead. Yeah, yeah. Cross went in the third round. Brisker went. Uh, Brisker went around pick 50, 52, okay. 58, uh, something like that. Yeah, mid mid second round. I mean, but they were. I mean, they were safeties. These guys were running in the four threes <laughs> and going third round. Yeah, those were. Got running four seven five. Yeah, no. <laughs> Not going to happen. Uh, last one from this mock draft. Uh, there's a second mock draft, and I watched some players from it. And we can move that on to to later in the week. There's plenty of time to talk about all these prospects. And I, I like getting a little bit in-depth with, with some of these prospects and getting to know some of the prospects from the class that we might be looking at for the 49ers. And Niners, I, I like the positions they're giving the 49ers in these mocks. Offensive tackle, for sure. Defensive back, for sure. Uh, and they went tight end here with the Alabama tight end, Cameron Latou. What would you see there? Oh, man. I liked him. Uh, this is a versatile guy. I think the 49ers will like him. Versatile guy. Everybody likes versatile. I, I got to stop saying that because everybody likes versatility. But in college, a lot of times now, you see a guy play one way or the other at the tight end position. Is he going to be a tight end, kind of a flex guy? Or is he going to be hand in the dirt and he's going to do a whole lot of blocking, right? Unless you're Georgia. Like Georgia, they got to do everything. But this was a guy who they line him up in the slot. They, as a legit receiver, they line him up out wide in, in a bunch formation, and he'd be the outside guy. They line him up with his hand in the dirt attached at the line of scrimmage. They line him up off the ball there, motion him, and have him beeline into guys. So just in the sense of his usage, I think that was really good to see because he was a more than willing blocker. But I do think as a uh, pass-catching tight end who he did not test. I looked up his testing after watching him, could not find the hidden test at the combine. But, and he's slightly built. He was like 6'4", 242 pounds. That's not very heavy, so you better be able to really run. All right? Um, in space, I thought he did a really good job. Working guys, give them, uh, giving them moves at the top of routes to free himself up versus man. He's not going to win every time like that. He's a tight end. George Kittle doesn't win every time like that. But for the most part, just seeing what type of ability he has to be able to set defensive backs up, understand leverage, be able to attack it that way, cross their face. He did a good job of that. Uh, there was one play where Bryce Young, and I watched him against LSU. All right, a couple other guys that stood out in that game as well. But uh, maybe uh, 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 Bernard, uh, Bernard Converse, he's a guy that might be available late for the 49ers. I watched him at the, uh, uh, what is it, the Lou Hubble? What's that? I was in Orlando watching one of the players I trained, and he, and I, I noticed Bernard Converse there, and I was like, man, he, he did uh, some good stuff. Hula bowl, yeah. So I was yeah. there. I was there on the field and stuff, looking like I was a scout or something. I, I definitely wasn't. Just a trainer. All right. But um, I watched him there. He did a good job. He stood out in this game as well. But uh, the tight end, there was a play, man, where he just, he went in. I mean, you saw him attack the leverage, give a guy a little something, and boom, just 
explode by him vertically down the field. And again, I don't know how fast he is. I don't think he's a burner. You're not going to mistake him for Evan Ingram when he was coming out. But he clearly is a guy who can run, right? So even if he's 4'6", 4'6", 4'6", you know, I think that would be good for him. As light as he is, you probably would want him to run faster, kind of like George Kittle when he was coming out, very light, but ran 4'5", at the combine, right? Like that's legit. Hand time might be in the 4'4". All right, uh, but... I thought he had soft hands uh, versus man. He understood when to keep going and how to free himself up at times uh, versus zone. I thought he settled in zones uh, extremely well. Uh, I thought his quarterback, he was the one I was, I was actually a little down on Bryce Young in that game. I uh, Will, Will Levis ahead of Bryce Young on Crocker's draft board. No, I'm not <laughs> saying that. I'm just, but again, this is a one game sample size where I'm not watching the quarterback. But there's just times where I just notice and I'm looking at the tight end, open right in the middle of the field, open vertically down the field, open. Now maybe he's just not to read, but there was a lot of running around. I see the tight end wide open in the middle of the field, lined up with the quarterback. He comes off of that and then runs into like a sack or has to throw the ball away. And I'm just like, you had a lot of time, too. Like It's not even like you had to make a split-second decision here. So there were just some things where I thought was like a little weird through a bad interception in the end zone early in that game. I mean, really bad where he tried to make something happen. He like throws it across his body. He gets picked off. You know, it, was, it probably wasn't in one of his best games. <laughs> that was the LSU game? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, LSU game. So there's a lot of weird, weird things going on there. But um, – Overall, as far as the tight end goes, I saw a lot of good. So the 49ers, out of all the guys so far, I, or if I had to rank the guys that they had the 49ers taking in the third round right here, I would go tackle first, tight end, and then distant Dean. Then distant, the DB. Yeah, and uh, Daniel Jeremiah said he's got something like 11 tight ends ranked in that, that have at least a third-round grade in this class, and I think Cameron wow. Lewis, who was one of those guys. So, uh, yeah, he's got to follow it up with his pro day and – and put some good times out there, and the Niners might be able to look. I don't know if oh. it's, I don't know if it's a top need. The Niners do need yeah. a tight end, but if you if you get value, I would rather take a good tight end than a bad DB just because you need the right. DB in the third round. And if if one of those guys that might have a second round grade other years has fallen to the late third round to you, yeah, yeah, pull the trigger. I, I talked a lot about him as a pass catcher and some of the things he does in route. Uh, I did not touch on probably what's the most important thing for the 49ers and his. Just can you run block? Uh, they did leave him in at times to pass protect. I thought he held his own. I don't think he's the most aggressive blocker. They did that thing where I wish I knew what it was called. I don't know all the offensive line verbiage, but where they have him off the ball and then he motions across and then like tries to tee off on a guy that can't really see him. Kicks out the ends. Yeah, where, you know, you come across and you try yeah. to hit that guy. And he just like was not blowing guys up. One of them, it looked like he kind of hesitated just a little bit before blocking the guy. Now, he did his job, but he wasn't the most aggressive mm -hmm. blocker. So, I, I don't know if it's just this game <laughs> and maybe those those big uh southern guys from LSU kind of intimidated him. I don't think I don't I don't think that's the, the reason, but I, I I thought he did well well blocking, but I I I saw where I, I could see like it, it's not super aggressive. He's not like this aggressive blocker. So there we go. Three more prospects to put in the hopper as uh, it concerns the San Francisco 49ers in the 2023 draft. Oh, hold on. My bad. Warren, my bad, Peacock. Oh, wait. What do you got? <laughs> uh, I, I say that, but then I do have in my notes. Did get a pancake block at the second level. 
There we go. So, okay, right, so now, he, likes to, ahead, sorry. he likes to bully the smaller guys. Yeah. When it comes to kicking out a defensive end, he's like, all right, I'll get in your way. But Yeah. Okay. I see. He's a, he's a front runner. Um, <laughs> Cameron Latou, Trey Dean, Carter Warren, a couple prospects to think about. Let's hear what your scouting reports are. And if you have any prospects you want us to look at that you like for the San Francisco 49ers, let us know at BD Peacock, at Eric underscore Crocker on Twitter or in the YouTube comments uh there was another yahoo sports mock that i looked at the prospects for croc didn't but this will give croc more time to maybe look at those guys and we'll come back later on in the week and we'll have some more prospects talking 2023 nfl draft all the latest news every single day here about your san francisco 49ers thanks for making us your first listen for your second listen make sure you check out a locked on nfl draft and locked on nfl scouting with the draft dudes and all the rest that the network has to offer, all for free, all on your favorite podcast platforms and YouTube. Croc and I, back tomorrow, right here, Locked On 49ers.